Welcome to the Thursday Thesis here on the Psych One Fanatic Podcast Network. My name is Chris Williams. I'm joined today, as always, by Jared Stansbury, where we're going to take an in-depth look at the next Iowa State football game, which is coming up on Saturday, 11 o'clock. Louisiana Monroe comes to town. Before we dive deep, I want to thank our sponsor of the Thursday Thesis, Ames Eye, Des Moines Eye. Love those people. Uh, it takes a lot for me to come on and endorse a product. Not only will I endorse Ames Eye and Des Moines Eye as doctors, servicemen and women of, um, you know, taking care of our eyes around here in central Iowa, I endorse them as people. Dr. Kruger, gotten to be friends with him over the years. Awesome people. I love supporting small local businesses. Check them out. Ames Eye, Des Moines Eye. They also are the sponsor of the eye-catching player of the game, which we put up on Twitter after every Iowa State football and basketball game. I want to say hello to our friends watching on Facebook Live as we continue to develop the stream, and we broadcast from here in the Carl Chevrolet studios. Coming up here in just about 20 minutes, we are going to call the voice of the Warhawks. His name is Nick White. Changed, exchanged some text messages with Nick yesterday. The Louisiana Monroe Warhawks are coming to town. Uh, we were going to have him live on radio with us on Friday. However, uh, the Warhawks will be flying during that time. So we're going to get Nick White from um, the, I'm assuming, like the Warhawk radio network. I wonder if Nick's ever been to Iowa before. I don't know. We'll find out. I don't know much about Nick. I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, based on the way that the... Uh, the coach for Louisiana Monroe was talking about the Midwest and about Iowa and how enamored he was with the idea of playing an 11 a.m. kick. Then I'm gonna guess that they don't. He, they don't you mean get many opportunities. Enamored with playing an 11 a.m. It was kick. like he was like blown away. He's like, you, we don't play the very 11 a.m. kicks very often because it's so hot down there. Well, they I'm usually sure, try and play night games a yeah, lot. Yeah, I'm sure that and the, the Sun Belt, like the TV, doesn't quite matter as much. They can probably kind of play whenever it's more. They probably convenient. play a lot of like Tuesday night games and stuff later in well, the yeah, year. Yeah, Thursdays, stuff like that. And um, he was saying when they went to Tallahassee, I think that was maybe supposed to be a 11 a.m. kick, but then it wasn't. It kind of got messed up because of the hurricane. Yeah, and. Uh, he was saying that he was starting to like make the schedule and he counted all the way back to 6.30 a.m. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's like you kind of forget when you don't do that very often that you got everybody's got to wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning in order to play the football game. Well, the good thing for Coach and the bad thing for the rest of us is they may not be playing football until later <laughs> on Saturday. I'm going to knock on wood and hope that's not the case. The weather forecast does not look great. I've actually been calling around. Um, some of my sources up at Iowa State and some of my friends who are in meteorology to will kind of update you on, on what we're hearing as far as that goes. Well, I'll just tell you that right now because I think it's a big aspect of this game that we're going to break down. I mean, it sounds like um, what Thursday morning was in central Iowa where there is just steady light rain and then like pockets of thunderstorms popping up. And I, I, I told Jared this earlier. I can't handle another delay. No, no can't, can't do, do it. it. No more. No, I, play in the rain. I don't care. No more delays. Play the, play the game. Just be glad that, I mean, at least for this past delay, you didn't have to sit with all the, with all the, the natives, the, the 
the clowns that were sitting in the press box. You got to at least be in the company of Brent Bloom, the great John Walters, I, Eric uh, Heft. I actually went up and was watching the Oklahoma State game, so it wasn't too bad for me. Yeah. I just popped it onto my TV and um, maybe placed a wager, a live wager or two on that one. Mm-hmm. So it kept me entertained. Meanwhile, I was sitting there with Rob Gray about to hey. pull my hair out. Well, you got to come down on Rob like No, that, it's not right? about Rob. It's about everybody else that's in there. Um, all right, so I want to break down a little bit about what we've seen from Iowa State, some notes that I've taken. Watched the Iowa game again last night. Um, some pluses, some minuses, and then a little bit of scouting on Louisiana Monroe and how I think the weather might impact this game. We'll go over how potentially it might be good to bet this game. And we'll we'll talk with Nick White and then get a prediction. Um, so the first thing I want to point out I, is a an encouraging stat. It's kind of nuts how you can be one and one with this stat, but it's encouraging. I think when you look at the rest of the Iowa State football season, Bloom wrote a great column earlier in the week, and he did some really good research on turnover margin and how important that is and how Iowa State has really benefited from that over the last couple of years. Right now, two games in, so this is very skewed. I mean, it's, it's hard to take too much of this, and we need to preface this by saying uh, it's, it, it's a very small sample size. But two games into the season, Iowa State ranked 11th nationally in yards per play, 7.6 yards per play so far this season. We saw them double up Northern Iowa in yards per play, did the same thing almost uh, close to against the University of Iowa last week, and that resulted in a triple overtime win, a survival is what I'll put it, and uh, a loss, which is a, a greatly uh, – it, it was a st- statistical anomaly. Bloom pulled out the stat. Um, I think Iowa State was 7.7 yards per play in that one. Iowa was 4.3 at that differential in the last 500 college football games. The team with 7.7 won 498 of the 500 games. Iowa State was one of the two losses. Okay, so that's a statistical anomaly. Weird stuff happened in that football game to put Iowa State at 7.7 yards per play. Uh, I don't. I want to move forward. Meanwhile, Iowa State sits 18th nationally in opponents' yards per play at 4.3. What this tells us, um, when you factor in the 121st national ranking and turnover margin per game, is, you know, a couple plays here and there, Iowa State's 2-0. and uh, Mike Rose is going to make that catch 9 out of 10 times. Um, the, the play into the end zone, mm-hmm. the... the like three guys had their hands on and couldn't come up with. Matt Campbell and most coaches believe that there's not there's not much randomness that comes in with turnover margin. I disagree. I think that Mike Rose dropping that pass on Saturday was was random. I think that if if that exact same thing happens ten times, I think he's going to catch it eight or nine of them. Usually, there's a mean that this kind of goes back to what concerns me about this is statistically over the last couple of years, Iowa State's been very good in this category. And, you know, David Montgomery literally never fumbled 
during the regular season when he was Iowa State's running back. I don't have that sense of security when I watch this Iowa State football team so far. So Brock Purdy put the 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 ball on the mat twice. Yeah, um, Sheldon Crony yep. nearly lost the game. Yep. Against Northern Iowa, so. I think that's a real concern. And while the yards per play statistics are, are great, and I think that that leads us to believe that this is a pretty good football team and they're going to win a lot of games this year, the turnover margin deal, I can look at it and statistically think that it's going to turn around maybe starting this weekend against Monroe. But what if it's, re, what if it's coming back to the mean and it's going to take a season to do so? That's a concern I have, and that's easily how Iowa State can go from being a 9-3, and 10-2 and two team back to a seven and five roster. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at on this. I think that it's pretty random. I think that they caught a couple of bad breaks on Saturday against Iowa. However, um, I'm not just going to rest on that either. I think Iowa State clearly needs to, I don't know if they change things up defensively. I think it probably more has, I think Jared, those are going to come especially with what Iowa State's doing defensively and how good they are defensively. Right. I am concerned about the offense protecting the football. Yeah, I mean, I think that as far as, you know, I, I get where Coach Campbell, what's Coach Campbell's trying to say, because obviously as a coach, you want to think that you can control a lot more. Than They're all what, control freaks. Yeah, you, you want to think you can control, control a lot more than you can, can control. But if you really think about, if you think about um, the way – I mean, for one, you're holding like an oblong ball. If it hits the ground, yeah, it's, it's going to bounce in weird ways. It's like, built there's for no, that. Yeah, there's no way that you can predict that. They call it the foosball. It, yeah. And then um, the other thing is, too, when you've got these guys flying around at the speed that they do, you think about with Brock where the fumble that he had against Iowa, if that happens either a split second where Geno Stone comes in and wraps his arm around, if that happens a split second sooner where he's more upright and is more prepared to be getting hit – and then if it happens a split second later where he's already on the ground, that's how like, it's the, the margin yeah. in that space to where Geno Stone could get his hand in there and knock it out before like 10 inches before yeah. his foot's going to, or his knee's going to hit the ground. What, like, how can you predict that? It's you very, can't, you can't control any of that. So yeah, you got, I mean, Brock's got to do a better job of holding the ball in all the way through the, the, the play. But I think at the end of the day, they've still only turned the ball over Really, two times. Yeah, the pretty. Uh, yeah, it, the, he. That was an incomplete pass. Well, that and against the, Northern Iowa. I'm not even. I was counting that one, and then the uh, his other fumble. I mean, the punt. It's a turnover, but like you don't really have the ball. That's a yeah. whole other type of situation. So I don't think that you can be in panic mode at this point on as no. far as that. But it's like you you do have to figure out a way. You got to catch the freaking ball. Do you feel different watching Iowa State's offense though? Like I feel like they could put it on the turf whenever. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit uh, weary. I get, I don't. We'll see. I, it's too early. I think the thing that it's a little different because every time David would run the ball and some of the ways that he would cut and the ways that he would be running off of people and stuff like that, the concern I always had with him was that he was going to get hurt. Yeah. And that was more my. Because he was so just sporadic. Right. And, yeah. and the way that he'd be running back and forth across the field and stuff like that, that was always more of my concern, which. He's as good as it gets at not letting a guy square him up to hit him hard. So, like, obviously, that was a pretty unfounded um, yeah. concern. But I feel like this team, you know, if, if it's Kanae Nwangwu, if it's Deshante Jones, if it's Treat Mill and whoever, if one of them wants to get banged up and have to come out of the game, 
I feel like they can bounce back from that a lot easier. I don't, I don't know. Like, I just don't think they put themselves in that many positions really to fumble the football. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, and Brock doesn't throw interceptions very often. He, he doesn't, but he's thrown a couple this year that have been on should've that random been. scale, should yeah. have been picked off. So that's a little bit of my concern. I wanted to talk about Purdy in my next point here on the Thursday's thesis. We are presented by Ames I, Des Moines I, and we are going to be calling um, Nick White the voice of the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks here in just a couple of minutes. So Purdy's been really good as far as completion percentage go. Been fantastic. Uh, I actually thought at one point in that, in that game against Iowa, like he was, he was on fire. Like he, some of the throws that Brock Purdy was making, it looked like a, you know, he, he looked like the absolute real deal. And I actually think that he's farther ahead two games into the season than I thought he was going to be. Having said that, there are a couple of plays that most fans probably didn't pick up on when they were watching. Now, we've analyzed the first, the first example I'm going to give. It was the fourth and one versus Northern Iowa. He should have handed it off. Mm-hmm. Instead, he, he kept it, threw it into double coverage. Iowa State didn't convert. There was the play, though, in the fourth quarter, and I would encourage you all, if you go back and watch the tape, to check this out, and this is critical. Remember the play where he slipped yeah. against Iowa in the fourth quarter? Second and eight. Yeah, and it turned it into like a third and 13. Mm-hmm. If he hands that ball off to Kene Nwangu, he may have housed it. It, it wouldn't was have, wide open. I was to say it wouldn't surprise me because was he was wide already open. gashing him before that. Yeah, no, like, and if you, if you bring it back and you look at where Iowa's defenders were and the blocking that was set up for Iowa State, I think he may have housed it. And what we're seeing with Brock, and I heard Coach Campbell talking about this on the coaches' show, which would have been um, last Monday night up in Ames. Um, I think he referred to him as Brett Favre a little bit, where it's a guy who constantly wants the ball. He constantly wants to be making decisions. Great, right? You yeah. want your quarterback to be that. He's voted a you know, a captain is a sophomore. He's making too many of these mistakes, though, when it comes to these RPOs and these zone reads and stuff like that. The good news is this is a clear thing that he can clean up with film. Yeah. And I guarantee you that Campbell and Manning have been hammering him on this stuff for the last two weeks. But those are two examples when it came down to crunch time in these football games where he's made a mistake when it comes to reading the defense. Again, that's very fixable with film. I would much rather that than having a guy throwing a ton of interceptions. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look at, like, for my, my other favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings, I look at what Kirk Cousins is doing, and that's, that's terrifying because that's not – that's just a guy losing his mind out there. Brock's not doing that, and you have to remember he's still a true sophomore. But when they're working with him behind the scenes right now, they're not necessarily working on decision-making on how to throw a pass or when to run – when, if they're going to do this RPO stuff, he's got to get this figured out and got to clean, got to get it cleaned up. I think it feels like he's, it's almost like he's trying to do too much, you know? Well, against Iowa, I think the running backs had like eight or nine carries total amongst them. Yeah. Can they, can they average nine yards a carry? They, I mean, Campbell and Manning put the game on Brock Purdy to win or lose when it came to the offense. And with all that responsibility, he's got to be better in these decision-making points. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I, I was – and this is something that Jeff and I talked about on Football and Random Things where it, I didn't understand why 
and it, and it probably was just the reads where Brock didn't read to hand the football off. But the way that Kane was running the football at the end of the game, and if you, I think if you watch that and you go back and you watch the Iowa defensive line, those guys were gassed. Yeah, gassed. AJ Epinesa was getting shoved all over the field like it wasn't even funny. And that's where it's like I, I sat there thinking, man, you gotta keep handing the ball to the let the let the young fella eat. It's funny you you go there because on I, I took three other notes as far as the offense goes because I think that we're all pretty clear on the defense. Yeah. At this point in the year, I mean, I don't know how you can deny Kenny Nwangu the ball can't, right now. Can't. You know, like he. All he's done is get six, seven yards per carry every time you've given him, given him the football this year. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that they, they clearly Johnny Lang has done something that we've seen. We as like fans and media who cover the team, we haven't seen it. No. At all. We haven't seen it. And Brees Hall, is, it's just way too young. I, I know what he can do. But like what we've seen, Nwongu's the best running back, yeah. period. Yeah. So we'll see, um, and, and I want to talk about this field condition that's going to come up on. I'm, I'm not sure Nwangu is probably the best running back for what Iowa State has in store with Louisiana Monroe on Saturday. However, I just feel like the guy needs more carries. If we're being honest, I think Kane could have. There was room to give Kane the football more last season, I think. I mean, he was, really, he was really good every time they ever gave him the ball. And... And I know that he was working back from his, I mean, it was his first season back and all that kind of stuff. But that that guy has has deserved to get the football for quite a while. I do think the offensive line found something. Yeah, against Iowa, and I don't know if it was the repositioning. I think Trevor Downing is a plus there at left guard. I wouldn't be surprised based off of what he told us at media availability on Tuesday if Colin Olson is your next center, mm-hmm. and then you can move Newell to a guard. You can play Kniffle at right tackle, perhaps, and just and then that makes Meeker better because he's getting fewer snaps. I think there's a lot of possibility there. Yeah, that offensive line really maybe, I don't know. Uh, I thought they were pretty good in the Alamo Bowl, to be honest with you. But they were moving guys around, they were creating space, and um, I'm I'm really anxious to see, especially with the potential weather on Saturday. Uh, this screams to me like an offensive line type of game. Yeah. Who controls in the trenches, and uh, I'm excited to see that group develop. Another thing too, um, I called it on this podcast last week with Tariq Milton. I thought he would have a big game. It's encouraging when, as we creep towards the Big Twelve, to see those two options with Jones and and Milton evolving on opposite sides of the field. And I am not even talking about Petway, but it, it is because I think the tight ends will continue to be involved more and more. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, like, you know, I was, I was just like everybody else. I was pissed on missed opportunities and all that stuff on Saturday night, but I walked away feeling better about the offense than I have in quite some time. Should we call Nick White? Sure. Let's call Nick White. He is the voice of the Warhawks, and uh, we're going to talk to him next. If you're watching on Facebook, we'll be back right after this. Thanks for tuning in to the Thursday Thesis here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Hey guys, it's Williams. We'll get you back to your podcast here momentarily, but it's wanted to talk to you about eye care, of course, today. And my friends at Ames. 
and Des Moines Eye Care. They meet your whole family's vision needs. And they did that to me about a year ago where I got in and had my first eye exam since my childhood. Dr. Kruger was like, what are you doing, man? You got to come in and get your eyes checked more often. And I'm glad that I did. They found some stuff. They got me these designer glasses that I wear when I work now, when I'm creating content for you at psychbonefanatic.com. It has decreased my headaches incredibly. Uh, It's been fantastic. I I didn't even know half the stuff that Dr. Kruger was telling me about. And I'm assuming if you're a middle-aged guy like me, you're probably in the same boat. Get in there to Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. Personalized eye care, designer eyewear. They've got same day, same week appointments, and they are really good people. And they help support us here at CycloneFanatic.com, the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. It's Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. All right, welcome back to the Thursday Thesis here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network and on Facebook Live. Now I want to bring in Nick White. He is the voice of the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks. It's awfully rainy up here today, Nick. How is it down in Louisiana, my man? Uh, still uh, still very hot, still <laughs> very muggy, and uh, I'm just hoping for, for a little bit cooler temperatures once we get up that way because uh, we're still... We're still in mid-90s to 100 degrees. We've pretty much been that way all September. So uh, hopefully the weather will hold out and be nice for us on Saturday. Yeah, I'm hoping so, but it's looking like rain. Uh, it, it, it looks like it at this point. We'll, we'll have to see. We're in kind of one of those patches too, Nick, where it's just been like 90, 95 degrees here in, in the great state of Iowa. How um, Have you ever been to the state of Iowa, Nick? Yes, uh, we went there uh, my first year doing play-by-play with ULM in basketball. Uh, oh. Played at Iowa, actually. Uh, played in coach, uh, our basketball coach's first season as well. Uh, did not fare very well there, but uh, I did enjoy uh, Iowa City. I thought it was nice. So now looking forward to uh, going to Des Moines and then, uh, then to Ames on Saturday. Well, Nick, the uh, the Warhawks really caught everybody's attention with that game at Florida State a couple of weeks ago, taking the Seminoles to overtime. And I, I can tell you what, you, you got a bunch of Cyclone fans up here who are concerned about Saturday's game b- based off of what we saw in Tallahassee. Um, can you how, – how did Louisiana Monroe push, push Florida State to the limits like that? How would you describe that football game? Well, I, I think they just finally started playing – the way they were capable of, you know, this this is a veteran team, and uh, and I don't know if you watched the game. I know Iowa State was on a bye that week, but uh, it's not kind of like we were last week, and, and we were tuned into to Iowa and Iowa State. Um, but you know, started off, Caleb Evans was over seven, our quarterback, and uh, there were four drops in there. Kind of the the thought process was to try to get in there and attack Florida State early. They, had, they were very confident. They, you know, It didn't surprise anybody as far as the team or the coaches or even myself that we were going to go up there uh, over to Tallahassee and, and give them a ball game. You know, we all felt that way um, and, and didn't start off right. You know, 0 for 7, 4 of those being drops. That didn't allow the offense to really uh, get cranked up. And then they've got a very good back, uh, you know, a five-star Cam Akers that – uh, they used him early on, and they jumped out to a 21 nothing lead and, and then ended up uh, 24-7 at the half. And, you know, Coach Viator is, is, is a very, you know, even-keeled coach. And whenever he talked with our sideline guy going in at the half, he was as, as fiery as I've ever heard him. Uh, he was very upset with the way they played in the first half. And, 
And so they went in the locker room, and, and they, they didn't really make a whole lot of adjustments. They just said, let's get out here and play ball. We can play with these guys. And sure enough, they did it. And, and they, they were ready for block when their quarterback defensively. There was a key pick six that kind of swung all the momentum there. Now, and then there were three turnovers total by, by the deep force by the defense in the second half that, that flipped that thing over. Now, obviously, uh, to, to come all the way back and to take them to overtime and then to lose the way that we lost on a missed PAT, I mean, mm. it, it is just the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And, and I think the bye week hopefully came at a good time for those guys to kind of put that thing behind you. I knew it took me. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm still over it from, from <laughs> just being an anger standpoint, yeah. but I mean, really, that Monday or Tuesday after that game, I was still angry about it because you knew you missed an opportunity to go and, and knock off. Certainly not not a very good Florida State team. They're, they're struggling, there's no doubt, but we should never be, you know, hypothetically in realism in the same league with those guys. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 so we kind of let us let an opportunity slip by. Nick, um, what is the down there as, as you're preparing and, and you heard Coach kind of preview? We read his press conference and we're really impressed with with your coach down there. What what's the vibe uh, with this road trip to Ames? Well, give us the local feel on what kind of a football team Monroe believes it will be seeing in Iowa State. Well, and, and I've been Coach B's been been very high on on the Cyclones, you know, all off season. I remember we were at Media Day. Uh, down in New Orleans at the end of July, we, we, he and I just kind of talked privately about Iowa State. And I've been looking at Iowa State going all the way back to, to last year in the bowl game and, and knew we were going to make the trip up there. And, and I can tell you this, they, they're they well coached. I mean, golly, well coached. Fewest penalties uh, in the nation right now. Uh, talking about the Cyclones. He, he really commented about you know last week, you know, that's a heated rivalry game. And we have those as well whenever we play uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Um, and we know what happens in those games. 15-yard penalties, unsportsmanlike, you know, a lot of talking. And there was none of that last week. And, you know, he's been very impressed with that. And, and then you look at just uh, defensively what, what they bring. I mean, if the weather is going to be what we think it is, you know, it's it's going to be one of those good old-fashioned kind of kind of slobber knockers, you know, who, who can run the football better. And, uh you know, hopefully we feel like we can do that. But that defense is so good. So, so solid defensively what I've seen. That's what they feel like. And then offensively, I mean, you've got a, a guy who just doesn't make mistakes there in Purdy at quarterback. And and so that's kind of what, what they're feeling like. they got to find a way to uh, play balanced football, uh, play level football, be better in the kicking game all phases, not just, you know, as far as kicking field goals. And, uh, you know, try, try to just play their game. You know, his mentality is to go back. He's very even-keeled. Uh, he's not a rah-rah guy. And he's not going to give a, a peel the paint off the locker room wall speech before that game. His mentality is, the, the mindset is to go up there and try to win the game, no doubt. But the, the ultimate goal is to get back on that plane, win or lose, leaving, leaving Ames and Des Moines uh, a better football team because you start conference play next week. And, and, and hopefully that'll be the case. We all obviously want to win, but uh, you certainly want to get better for, for the stretch that's upcoming. You mentioned that ability to run the football, and I think the uh, I think you guys are like 21st nationally in, in rushing yards per game right now. What has allowed the team to have that success on the ground? And, and obviously I know a, a big piece of it probably is a veteran offensive line. 
yeah, you, you just nailed it. it. It's that offensive line, and uh, you've got just a ton of guys there that, that have major starts and, and you know, ha- had one uh, lineman not decide to, to step away from the game of football to focus actually on, on his culinary career. Uh, you would have had one of the, the top five most experienced offensive line, lines in the country. Uh, but that's the key. You know, those guys, not not just the running game, they've only given up one sack for two games as well. And, and they've played together for a, a long, long time. But, but I've also got to say, Josh Johnson has, has really kind of just taken the lead there. You know, this was a, a five-man rotation going into the first game against Grambling at running back. They Nobody separated uh, from the other in, in training camp. And, and so we were as surprised as anybody by Josh kind of, you know, he had 173 yards against Grambling and he backed that up with a 100 plus yard performance against Florida State. And he, he's kind of now just, just saying, I'm going to be the man. You know, he, he was highly recruited. Uh, he was originally an Ole Miss commit, didn't end up going there, kind of kind of fell in our laps a little bit late last year. Uh, didn't play a whole lot, did have a touchdown, but uh, he kind of asserted himself as being, you know, the guy. And with that, that offensive line, uh, we, feel, we feel good about hopefully continuing to run the football. I was interested when I was um, digging deep on Monroe, Nick, and I, the, the thing that popped at me was 80 plays per game right now. You guys play at a very fast tempo. I assume that's by design. I haven't watched enough Monroe games to know, but is that – is that your guys' game plan to be top 15, top 20 in, in the country in tempo? If you can. I mean, you know, once again, it goes back to what's the game flow going like. And, um, you know, if you see the need to try to go and, and slow things down and, and grind it out, they can do that. Um, and and I, I failed to mention, you know, a bigger piece of that, that, that running offense is Caleb Evans, a quarterback. Yeah. You know, they do run a true R, RPO style. And, and that's what's, what's making things. That was very effective against Florida State because, you know, they, they had to guess. You know, is it going to be Josh Johnson or is it going to be Caleb? And, and Caleb was eating their lunch. Uh, and then as soon as they would collapse on the run, you know, you hit some big passes down the seam and, and things like that. But, um, you know, if you if you can, you want to run tempo. That that's a big thing. It doesn't allow the defense to, to make some substitutions. If you feel like uh, you can get some things going, uh, they're gonna, they're going to roll with that. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll we'll hopefully uh, be able to do that again on Saturday there and, and keep that that play count up at a pretty high number. Well, I would tell you from an Iowa State standpoint, if I had to pick the probably the strongest unit on the team, I would go defensive line in that defensive front seven. So, uh, Nick, I mean, nobody knows Monroe football more than you. I like to think I know the Cyclones pretty well. Can we come to an agreement here that that, that Monroe offensive front against Iowa State's defensive front, that's probably our key matchup to keep an eye on Saturday, right? Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And, and going back to what I was saying, I mean, 73 yards a game given up on the uh, as far as on the ground is – is very impressive, and and I, I have been able to watch watch the Northern Iowa game because that was an early kick, and we didn't play till uh, seven o'clock in Week One, and then obviously last week through the delays. But I've been so impressed with uh, the the defense and, and and how well they they play. As you mentioned, on the front seven, I mean they are just some 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 ball hawks there at the linebacking position, the star position, and. 
and and that's going to be where it's at. I mean, that's that's really every football game, you know, the battle the battle of attrition there on the front lines, and uh, hopefully our offensive line is, is going to be up for the challenge. And uh, but we we know the cyclone defense is going to be right there, ready for them as well. Well, Nick, get up here safely. Uh, we, we are just having a bunch of storms and weather and weird weird weather here for the month of September in the state of Iowa. But we'll um, we'll come down to the uh, Louisiana Monroe press box and introduce ourselves to you on Saturday. Get here safely, okay, buddy? Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Hey, it's all in the pile of pans on the team charter tomorrow, and uh, we'll be we'll be good to go. Look forward to meeting you guys. We'll be there uh, bright and early as our pregame starts at uh, 9 a.m. All right. So, uh, we look forward to seeing you guys. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, guys. Nick White is the voice of the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks. Good guy. Appreciate him taking time to join us here on the Thursday Thesis. We're presented by Ames Eye and Des Moines Eye. I, um, to, to get to our prediction, Jared, on this football game, mm-hmm. you know, I'm looking at it from a betting standpoint. I like to look at it from a betting standpoint first, and then I take it down to the numbers. Right. This, to me, with Louisiana Monroe's strengths, with what I think are Iowa State's strengths and the weather forecast, I personally would pound the under. 56 and a half. I, Put your, th- this put your house on it. This is, no, but th- I, I wouldn't bet this game because it's so weird and there's so many unknowns. However, um, I'm not, and I don't blame the turf people or whatever at Iowa State. The field's not going to be in good condition. Right. It's just not. It's going to be sloppy. There's going to be guys slipping. This is not. Pray to God it's not as bad as the Drake game. That was at the end of the year. Yeah. Ton of. This screams pound the under, and this screams it evens everything out. We've seen this before. Um, I'm starting to think maybe Iowa State needs to look into turf. I was going to say it's almost time to start having a conversation. I, I think that you know, and it's not anybody's fault. You can't no. control the weather. No. Um, but this continues to be a topic. I think Iowa State wins the football game, but I think that Monroe, the one good thing from an Iowa State standpoint, Monroe is built off of speed. They have really good skill players. They're speed guys. I don't know how downhill of a team this is. Mm-hmm. I think if it comes to that, Iowa State can go downhill better than Monroe can. I like the fact that Iowa State's offensive line is finally starting to gel. I think Iowa State will have some success running the football. And the fact having, that, that having said that, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't see Iowa State scoring into the 50s. No. Nothing like that. Yeah. I would take the under. And uh, 27-14, Iowa State. I think it'll be a nail-biter, unfortunately. I think it's just you, you throw everything in the pot and you stir it together. And I just – I think if it was 80 and sunny out and great field conditions, Iowa State could probably win this by 30 and cover the spread. Iowa State's covered the last six post Cyhawk games. So they play well that week after Iowa in general. But I think that there's a lot to consider here as to why, like when you bring in the matchup, when you bring in the weather, I think this will be a closer game than most people want. Who'd they play last year post Cyhawk? Oklahoma? Yeah. Okay. Lost by what, six, seven? That was the Zeb Nolan for like 343 yards or I whatever think they it was. Lost, I think they lost by more than that, but whatever. they were probably 20-point underdogs. <laughs> yeah, they covered. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I think you make good points. I I, I think that if, if Iowa State is going to have a game where they can come out and really bully someone, 
on their schedule sh- outside of maybe Kansas or West Virginia at this point. I would say this is probably it. I would agree with you. Then, and if, if this offensive line can come out and kind of impose their will, which you mentioned before, Trevor Downing, I think is is a, a plus. I do too. I, I think that it was, again, it, it was time to get him on the field. That kid is is good enough to be on the field, and, and I think that he's better than what, uh, what we had seen previously. He will be a big piece of this offensive line moving forward. Kanae Nwongu goes for 100-plus yards. <laughs> That's funny. I texted somebody last night and I said I because I just watched the Iowa game again yeah Bloom and I did a podcast and then I watched it after that and I should just be going to bed because if you can't tell I'm pretty sick mm-hmm. today but we're plowing through it here on the Thursday thesis. you did a podcast with Bloom yeah it's not posted yet oh, okay we did it on facilities and uh, on the Pollard deal I thought that that deserved its own podcast emergency summer series anyways um I said that this is a game where Nwangu can will break one. But yeah. I, but again, like I'm, I've just seen enough of this field equalizing things over the last, I thought it was a detriment last week. Now I think Iowa deserved the win. They were down four starters. They didn't make the mistakes, but yeah. with what Iowa state wanted to do game plan wise, the field hurt Iowa state. He showed me something though. His ability, he showed me a decision-making that we had not seen from him, a decisiveness Who's, where he can, oh, yeah. where he would take the ball and he would hit the hole and, yeah, and no go doubt. straight into the, I mean, when had we ever seen him run between the tackles before? I, that was we it. haven't yeah. in his entire career. Now in his, def- in, in their defense, the line was good too. Yeah. They, were, they were moving dudes. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, yeah. I think that if that can carry over to this week, I agree. if they could move those guys, if they could move Iowa, Louisiana Monroe ranks like in the, in, yeah. in like the, the hundreds in rush defense. And yeah, I know yeah. you've got this stat here yeah. on opponents yards per carry, but 64th. That, yeah. 64th and 4.4 yards and per carry, which I isn't will, terrible. But. I will say this too. Um, and I don't mean to, do, I really appreciate Nick white coming on really good guy. Florida state sucks. Yeah. Like I, I watch Florida state all the time. That is a total train wreck. You have, did you see the story about kids doing lemonade stands to raise money to get Willie Taggart fired? Seriously? Yeah. It's a disaster down there. That was a horrible hire to start with, though. <sighs> Made no sense at all. I'll tell you guys the story some other time, why I'm a closet Florida State fan. Not time to get into it right now. But they're, they're really bad. So I'm hoping yeah. this is a good team. I don't think it's like a Sunbelt championship team, but I think they're going to be in the conversation to play for a Sunbelt championship this year. Right. So you got to pay attention to them. Um, I think Iowa State, for the reasons you've pointed out, is finally at a spot where you can just bully. They weren't at a point at this point last year where they could bully anybody up front. I think they can do that, but I'm still weary because I think that this field's going to be a really bad shape coming up on Saturday. I love that he compared the Iowa State game to Louisiana Monroe, Louisiana Lafayette. Man. When he's talking about talking and stuff like that, I was sitting here thinking like, yeah, maybe a little bit different uh, scenarios here between the two institutions. He did make a good point, though. Oh, no, yeah, it's a good point. We didn't see any of that garbage. It's because we're good, wholesome Iowa boys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for watching. Uh, the, the pick is in 27-14 Iowa State. I would not bet this game for the life of me. If you're going to do anything, I would play the under, but I'm not, I'm not touching. Because I could totally see Iowa State, you know, getting up early, and I think that – they need a game offensively where they get some confidence, finish drives, that sort of thing. 
and I think it would bode well for Tom Manning to allow his team to stretch its legs and do that mm-hmm. heading into next week at Baylor. But I don't know if the I, I don't know if it's going to be possible. We'll see. Did you see if there's a first half line? I have not. Okay. No, I have not. I just this just screams under to me. We'll see. Watch watch Iowa State go out and score 55 on its own. I would take that. I would gladly be wrong. Thanks to everybody watching on Facebook Live. We appreciate it. Thanks to our sponsors, the Ames Eye, Des Moines Eye, Carl Chevrolet for sponsoring the Carl Chevrolet Studio. And uh, we will be back. We have radio tonight. Yep. Cyclone Fanatic Radio Six Show. To seven. Six to seven on 1460 KXNO. Pre-game coming up on 1460 KXNO with Jared Stansbury and Jeff Woody. That is on Saturday morning at 8. And I'll be going to, uh, if they're watching or listening, the Proust family won our tailgate competition with Iowa Pork this week. So I'll be making my way over to there. We'll do a little Facebook Live. We'll show off their tailgate. You can jump in on this as well. The link's all around uh, the website and social media. And uh, we've got three more to go before we hand out a Traeger Grill as our grand prize in the Kansas game on November 23rd. Boom. That's the thesis. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. So long.